some, sports in Nebraska is more like a religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz. On 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone app. Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Good morning, congregation. We are without Zach this morning, but Fitz and I will get you covered. The doors are open, the hymnals are in the pews. Welcome to Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing here on 1620 of the Zone. Fitz, we Drake. were talking a little bit off air leading up to this. There was a high school football game last night. I, I know you have an opinion on it. So do I. IMG scored 96 More like points. OMG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nailed it, Conrad. Nailed it. Don't oh, encourage shit. him. Don't encourage him. Uh the, IMG Academy put up 96 points and a half last night in their season home finale against West Toronto Prep Canada. Officials called this game at halftime due to forfeit. What are your thoughts? Well, they're seven and IMG is seven and one. They lost the first game of the season to a uh, team out of Miami, Miami Central, maybe. If, Who's ranked number, number three, number in, three the in, in the country. Exactly right. But the thing that, that I question now is, so IMG is 12th, ranked 12th out of this Super 25. Whoever puts that together, I'm guessing there's probably 14 different top 25s of high school teams around the country. And if, if you're high enough in one, that's the one you, you go with. But they have won their last four games by – a total of 254 points to zero. So if my math is correct, that's around 63, 64 points a game, something like that. I didn't get out of the calculator. but So my question is this. And keep in mind, you get a pretty big boost with 96 in one game too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you know, not all stats are built correctly. But it still goes to the question, though, is IMG is building a schedule because they're not playing in – Class A or Class One or Class Five, whatever it is, or whatever. Yeah, exactly right. It's they're not playing in the best class of Texas football week in and week out, for example, or California. You can make this look however you want because they're doing the scheduling. That's like if I don't know. I look at it in a way that if you want to, if you're that good, and they have a test coming up this week, they're playing the number two team in the country uh, out of Maryland, but. Schedule some people, right? These kids are. This goes. This honestly kind of goes back to what we've talked about, and we're just with Alabama right in. playing the Citadel. Well, Alabama playing Citadel, but even look at what we talked about with our offensive line guys who are you know dominant in high school, but who are they playing? And so it's the same thing here. You yes, you can you can look at a player and see physically, you know, developmentally, what can they, what do they have, stuff like that, but. What are you really? What are these teams getting out of playing those other teams? So, there's the, there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, I I have a couple of friends that have coached on the basketball side down at IMG, and um, know somebody who's coached in the baseball on on their various levels of baseball teams as well. Everybody that they are scheduling 
is either a very similar school in terms of being a prep school where they get a recruit, you know, even internationally. I coached a kid when I lived in Philly who was from India and played on their basketball team. Um, it, I do have a problem with what just happened, though, last night, and I don't know who to blame. Like, Ontario prep, West Toronto prep, whatever. Kudos to you for showing up. But as I watched some of these highlights last night, shame on your coaches and your athletic director for letting this game get scheduled. Unless something crazy has happened at West Toronto prep this season that led them to not have players to be capable of playing this game, you know better. And IMG for years has been a powerhouse at the high school football level. Uh, Nebraska is trying to make it a pipeline for athletes. Why put that on your schedule? That That is the type of game that can get kids seriously injured. Well, and you wonder what kind of goes into where you were going with that is what goes into that scheduling. Was it an opportunity to, you know, maybe maybe IMG paid for their travel. Maybe IMG, whatever it was, and not, you know, right, wrong, or different, they have the funds, you know. They come down, so now they get they get to come down to Orlando. They get to go to Disney World. The kids get an experience. Maybe some of those kids get recruited to come to IMG. This is worse the than the couple. fake school last year. That's the, That was in my head, too. It, it is. Now, it's legitimate, right? It's and they're on they're on the schedule. Now somebody's you know probably driving down to the game, yelling at us, like that they have to play who's on their schedule. You have more control of your schedule in high school, even locally mm-hmm. here, with between the coach and the AD. It might take a couple of years, but you can start to make your schedule outside of your conference. For example, here in Omaha, the Metro Conference. If you're out in a surrounding area, you might be playing in a different conference and how that goes, you get to pick and choose then the types of teams, whether it's tournaments, if it's uh, duels, anything of who you want to play. IMG probably asked, but they probably sent over a proposal and said, here's what we're proposing. Number one, we're proposing we're going to kick the crap out of you. But number two, you're going to get A, B, and C. Do you guys want to come down and play? I don't know. It's I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to shine a little bit I of positivity know, on this, and I just don't. Know I don't know how much go how many prep school games you get travel paid for because those schools are are funded really well. Um, but to to your point, some of those prep schools, at least in the basketball circuit, go play a lot of junior colleges. Um, Texas has several prep schools that that played junior college teams throughout the season, which. You know, good for them. They're playing against some men. Sometimes at those prep schools, their players are also men who were non-qualifiers and went to qualify, went to another year of high school to qualify. Um, so I, I have a lot more questions than I do answers on this one. Uh, but let's move forward. We have Nebraska Volleyball, who is back on a run after they, uh, you know, dropped one last week or the week before. They have Northwestern. To is it tomorrow? Yes, I thought it was Sunday. Yes, which is tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> let's just so, let's just get that out of the way. It is tomorrow. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I pulled up the schedule and I looked at the last Northwestern game and it said the sixteenth and I was, I was a little thrown off. Uh, yeah, at tomorrow, at November sixth, Sunday at Northwestern. What are your thoughts on that one? <laughs> 
I know you're the volleyball expert out out of the three of us. So how's Northwestern doing this year? Let's. You would ask me that. Well, the, they, I believe, if memory serves, they did they just beat Purdue last week, the week before. Um, I'm not. I'm not concerned that there's a residual effect from playing Wisconsin. Right? They they just got done. They played Maryland since as well. Mm -hmm. And looked really, really good. Maryland was uh, tops in the Big Ten in uh, uh, blocks and, I believe, serving percentage. And Nebraska um, did not make Maryland look that good. And so you get... Northwestern is 17-8 and and coming off a sweep of... Against... They got swept by number six, Ohio State. Okay. But I think they maybe upset Purdue a week or two ago, something yep. like that. So that on the twenty eighth, last Monday, they're they're competitive. Um, what I like though is you have a team in in Lincoln. It is structurally built different than most of the teams that Cook has had. And we we talked about this early in the season, you know, to the point where he and and good on coach too is he recognized it and he actually switched their system, which goes a little bit against what. Um, some some people might consider a, a good move, and they and it's worked so far. the The thing that I'm more impressed about is in between. You know, they lose to they lose to Wisconsin. They come back and they play really well against Maryland, and which also goes to the point that Wisconsin is is pretty good, uh, and will be there. You mean the defending national champs are get, still good? Yeah. Now they lost. They lost a couple players. There was a, a few a huge middle blocker. It was really, really good, and I think she was there for about 17 years. But she's now she's not there anymore. So she was scary. She's taller than me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I know you can't see us on the radio, but that is very, very, very tall. Um, you, so you have these things, but in the middle of that, what's what's very impressive is that Nebraska just got a commit from a 2023 libero, Laney Choboy, who flipped her commitment from Minnesota to Nebraska. And so, you know, it just it just keeps going. It, it is the model of success that we want so many programs, especially on the men's side, to <coughs> follow, to get in that kind of rhythm. And it's, it is impressive. All right. Um, quick question, rapid fire here. Is there a better coach in all of college athletics than John Cook? I said rapid fire fits. It's probably. I, I mean, he's got to be. He's got to be top ten. Just yeah. I honestly, it, across college sports, for me right now, I mean, you just had Coach K retire. Uh, Roy Williams retired. To me, it goes Saban one A, and then Cook and Bill Self one B. Yeah, and you know, you you look at some of these things, and every every good coach is going to have an Achilles heel, is going to have some sort of a skeleton. Are we talking all college sports? Yes. Gino, UConn women's basketball. He hasn't retired yet? No. He's still up. Okay. Okay. Uh, you got to go Gino 1 and then yeah. save in 1B. I, 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 will, I will still bang the drum, though. I'm a huge supporter of John Wooden. <laughs> now... Conrad, the only reason, and this is where women's basketball at the college level totally 
is separate from most college women's sports. The parity in women's college basketball, to me, is still so far behind a most of the men's sports, but also volleyball, where, you know, in volleyball, you have several teams that are always competing for the title. And basketball, it's really, for the longest time, was only UConn and Tennessee. And then yeah. now you have Baylor getting in there a little bit. Now, Gino's a hell of a coach. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's also benefited from women's basketball being slower to build into the build in the parity, so to speak. I, I'll agree on that part. Yeah, because uh, UConn has been and still is as dominant as they have been for yeah. forever. You uh, know, Baylor went out and won a title or two. South Carolina, South Carolina women, exactly. Yeah. Notre Dame women are always, I think, pretty good too. Yeah, Michigan State um, once in a while has a really good team. Mar- well, no, Maryland was no. I was thinking men's on that one. Yeah, and that's the reason I'll time. give him the edge is with I think his win streak um, at one point was 120 games in a row. Yeah. It was it was that's, insane. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him the edge over anybody else yeah. simply because of that number. Well, I mean, what, the majority the times. majority of stars in the WNBA came from. From you, from you. Well, that's exactly. What, that's what went into my mind, and you guys both touched on it. It's like if you broke that down and you created your columns, you know, part of it's going to be longevity. Part of it's going to be you have to take into account the record, right? Mm-hmm. Successful. But I think recruiting, um, I think, you know, there's all these things that, that go into it more than just, yeah, you know, wins and losses. But, no, I would, I was thinking about it this morning as well. We talk, we're going to talk later about – our coaching staff for the football team and what I need what I am impressed by is the coaches and they're not just former players for Nebraska but the coaching pipeline that he has created that coaching tree and the people that are there so that's where that's what's impressive for me absolutely we had a caller come in is he on hold right now? No, uh, he had to run, but he did let me know that the best sports, or uh, sorry, the best college sports coach is Kale Sanderson of wrestling. Oh, over at Iowa, that's that's what I was told. That, I'm looking up his stats right now. Well, so. I, w- I was gonna say I Iowa's wrestling programs right there. That that's a great call. Forgive me for not knowing the coach's name. Uh, but that that is a great call. Well, he fits I think, in there, and I think it, it creates a, a very interesting discussion. Though, if you if you looked at all these different sports, volleyball, basketball, men's and women's football, wrestling, things like that, soft, you know, whatever you could you could probably do a, a quick top five. I guarantee the the majority of the the audience could name one or two from each of those sports because. That's how good they are, and, and they sit in your mind, and you it's yeah. recognizable. Well, to and most think people. about how many sports we are are missing out on our coaches that are so dominant at you know the one double A level. Like Chris Kleiman would have been on that list, and if he was still at North Dakota State, uh, well, Lance Leipold. There it is at Whitewater. If, if anybody I mean, knew what was happening at the Division three level, so yeah, there's Whitewater a lot of was the IMG of yeah, <laughs> Division exactly. three. So there's a lot of coaches that got left off that list. Uh, we got to go pay some bills, and when we come back, we will be talking about three keys to the game today. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Well, 
Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Bosse State Farm here on 1620. Conrad, I believe we had a caller come in over the break. We do. Yeah, caller, hi. you're on the line. Yeah, my name's Steve. Uh, hey, Steve, how you doing? I'm great. Hey, I I played Division Three football for in the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference in the 80s. The winningest football coach of all time in college is John Gagliardi at a St. John's University. Uh, I just I, I hurried real quick to to look up his record, and he won 489 games from the from the 1960s through uh, through uh, 2009. Uh, he won two national championships and 27 conference championships. Well, and that's it's. Once you once we got the name, obviously we're we're scrambling to look this up as Steve, well. Steve, did it's you in, also know he was forty two, twenty five, and one as a hockey coach? Uh, I saw that. I did the same thing. You know, I I knew that he had done that, but I couldn't remember the numbers. So mm. I did just like you did and used used Google. More <laughs> more impressive than that, though. You and knew the is, answer. Here's your here's your here's your bar trivia to win a couple beers today. His coaching career started. When he was a high school player, his high school coach got drafted into war, into the war, World War II. He was the captain of the football team. He became the coach of his high school football team while playing. So, yeah, in nineteen at, at the age of sixteen, nineteen forty three, he he broke John Robinson's record of total games coached um, at uh, five hundred eighty eight back in uh, two thousand eight. So, I mean, he's just been. And then he coached six hundred games overall. That's impressive. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great name. Now, did you play at St. John's, or did you just play at no, another school played, up there? I played for Carleton College. Okay. Um, and and I did play against St. John's on a couple of occasions. Uh, the other thing is, I know this is going to be blasphemy in Nebraska, where you know physical physical practices are uh, are are demanded. But in their in not the, the last 90s, four years. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in the late 1970s, uh, he instituted uh, uh, contactless practice, and you can't argue it. You can't argue with his success rate after that. You know, I'm. I, I know that they're no longer necessarily on the list for Husker coaches, but uh, you know, uh, Campbell and, and Leipold are are big favorites of mine because they come out of Division Three. In a lot of ways, Division. Division three is much more coach centric than Division one is, because you have to you have to take players who, you know, who, who want to be there of nature. Yeah, who aren't freaks of nature. You know, we went at Carlton. We played football because we wanted to play football. There were no scholarships. Yeah, uh, hey, I played with a Rhodes Scholar on my team, and I also played with the founder of Politico. Oh. oh. That is uh, that, that's some s- nice little factoids yeah, there, Steve. Cover the spectrum, you know, and it's interesting though because you talked about no tackling, and I'm looking at it here again, just from the St. John's University website. Props to them for putting all this information on there, doing their job, I guess. But he emphasized repetition and fundamentals. Just right there, that yeah. line alone, you're you're going to get better. But it's no blocking sleds or tackle dummies, no athletic scholarships. No compulsory weightlifting program, no whistles, no coach, players call him John, no tackling in practice, players wear shorts or sweats, no long practices, an hour and a half or less. Yeah. Now, By I don't way, know I don't know where the St. competition sits. Uh, playing St. John's was no picnic. <laughs> they they were when they get when they hit the field, 
they were physical. Now, did they come out like for football games, like wearing jorts and some small pads and, no, and cut no, off no, shirts? No, no. Were they, they ready were, to go? They were, they were fully, uh, they were fully outfitted when when they uh, <laughs> when they hit the field. They were all business. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Thanks for the call. That's uh. Now we got to go back and rethink our uh, <laughs> our list. Well, you know, the thing is, is that you know, once you start including NAIA, NAIA and Division Three, all of a sudden things can get murky. You know, again, I'm a I'm a big fan of Division Three because a lot of the a lot of the innovations we see that that eventually percol up, percol up into Division One and even the NFL originated in Division Three. You know, the idea of the mush rush. That came out of University of Wisconsin Stout with what they called the Radar 8. You know, um, analytics started, the first people to do that came out of Division Three because they had to find, they had to figure a way to have, you know, and uh, had to be a, more efficient advantage over the other team. Steve, when, and be honest, was it this week or last week the last time you talked to Trev? <laughs> Because you've got actually, some, you've got have, some insight. Actually, I have never met him. <laughs> this is the insight I, you I, need to I schedule a meeting I, with him. You know, I, but I'm, I'm a, I have to admit, I'm a fan of how he's gone about doing it. You know, I know everybody's like spin the wheel who won the last game as far as who we want as coach, but to me, at least so far, he seems to be very process oriented. He's looking for somebody who's going to come in. He seems to me to be somebody who's going to be focused on like you said the fundamentals and for that you know the first thing you got to do is build the foundation on which you're going to create what you're doing you know and he says yeah we're not going to talk about championships for a while that's because you know we've got to tear this thing to a ground and relay the foundation and and you know there's no point in talking about the radar tower when you when you're putting in the when you're putting in the beams at the basement yeah, no, I told you nailed that one, Steve. Uh, well, while, while we got you, and I know you're a big fan of a couple of coaches you named. Who who is your pick for the Nebraska job at the end of the day? If it's not retaining Mickey, well, I I you know again, I was I have been a big fan of Lance Lance Leipold. You know what he did at Whitewater was was really incredible. You know and and again, I'm a, I like Campbell. He came out of Mount Union. Uh, Mount Union is is a as another program that just is the pinnacle of quality at at uh, at Division Three. And it, and there are a lot of there are a lot of coaches that come out of that Mount Union tree that are scattered throughout football at every level. Yeah, Mount Mount Union is uh, has put out good coaches, like you said, at every level. Campbell's done an amazing job at Iowa State. I'll be honest; he's a little bit lower on my list. Uh, I do like a Leipold, but I, honestly, if we can't get any out of my top three, uh, I'm leaning Jamie Chadwell. I'd take a shot on Jamie Chadwell at this point. Yeah, I would. You know, I yeah, I, I mean, I've lived in Nebraska since 1990, but you know, I I like I said, I went to, to school in small at a small college in Minnesota. I grew up in Montana, where the Grizzlies have had have have had a great program for a long time, and they've had a number of coaches move up as well. So, yeah, I I I, and it's it's always bothered me a little bit that there's been this this 
focus in Division One that it has to be Division One or nothing. And there are an awful lot of good coaches that come out of the lower levels of college, out of colleges, that I think programs could really benefit from. I mean, look at Jim Trestle. He came at, he came out of Youngstown Youngstown State, which at the time was FCS or Division One AA at the time. Yep. You know, there are a lot there are a lot of really good coaches at that level. Well, Steve, thank you. We've got to uh, jump on a break. Uh, that gives me legitimately a lot of things to reevaluate. Yeah, there's in, a lot of Googling going on search. next to me. That is, that is fantastic. Folks, when we come back, we are going to um, – we can't talk to the trophy itself, but we are going to talk to one of the handlers of the $5 Bits of Broken Chair trophy of what the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Minnesota Gophers will be playing for this morning. We will be back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone right after this. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Technical difficulties over there, guys? Or? Well, I, I. Anyway, didn't we all want to listen to a little longer version of a choir version of Kokomo from the Beach Boys? All right, welcome no. back to. That was actually their first number one single since Good Vibrations. The Fun s- fact. The stuff you learn from Conrad is amazing. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Bussey. State Farm Insurance on 1620 The Zone. We are going to be joined by, and we are joined by David Moore, part of the bits of broke five dollar bits of broken chair trophy, which was a friendly wager started back in 2014 between Twitter accounts of, yes, I'm going to say this on air, Goldie the Gopher, a Twitter account from the Minnesota Gophers mascot, which you know when you with those thumbs and hands, I'm not sure what his uh, Twitter stylings are but and fake Bo Pelini Fo Pelini and they made a wager David welcome to Church of the Corn how are you doing great I'm glad to be here well thanks for thanks for joining us so I did not do justice right there in my my description of it take us back to the creation of this your involvement and then where we are today which is absolutely amazing and then obviously discussing kind of what went on even just about the last half of yesterday in terms of of donations sure um so we have a history of all of this on brokenchairtrophy.com if anyone's interested in reading it after the fact uh but basically in 2014 fo polini who was very popular at the time i guess he's still popular but you know this was still during the polini days and so um he uh, tweeted at Goldie the Gopher and said, hey, let's have a friendly wager. Uh, if we win, you give me $5. If you win, I get to break a chair over your back, <laughs> as is his style. <laughs> uh, and uh, Minnesota, which is known for having a lot of trophies with a lot of weird histories, you know, the LeBron Jug and Paul Bunyan's axe and all that, uh, someone 
one of their fans said, hey, this should be a trophy. So they actually went and made a trophy. Um, I've heard a couple of different versions um, that they went and got an actual chair from a thrift shop and then smashed it. Um, if they did, they must have also done some extra work to make it <laughs> extra broken because parts are clearly sawed off. But anyway, um, they exchanged it a couple years, and then the trophy disappeared. And as far as we can tell, one or both athletic departments didn't like it because, you know, it wasn't sponsored. It wasn't, you know, an official trophy or anything like that. But a lot of us on the Internet were fans of it. So in 2017, my buddy and I, uh, my buddy Luke and I, uh, decided, hey, you know what, we've just uh, gotten into woodworking. This doesn't look like too hard a project. Let's remake the trophy. Um, so we did. And at the time, we didn't really have a plan of what to do with it. We were going to you know, try to just see if we could get it reintroduced by sneaking it in or, or uh, you know, having some students sneak it into the trophy room or something. Um <clears throat> But then we, as we were building it, we were posting about this on Reddit and a bunch of other people who had liked the trophy and were thinking about ways to reintroduce it got involved. And some of them uh, had the great idea of, hey, let's tie it to a charity to try to, you know, kind of shame the universities into. <laughs> into acknowledging it, its existence yeah. again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so we did that, and um, every year it's beat our expectations. Uh, the first year we were hoping to raise about $5,000, and the, the money is split between the Masonic Children's Hospital up at uh, University of Minnesota and Team Jack here in Lincoln. Um, <clears throat> uh, the first year we raised about 7500 I want to say, and it's grown every year since. Uh, we are sitting just shy of $24,000 this year from when I last looked, and that means that over the five years total, we're over $100,000. Well over. We're about 115000 now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So a couple things here. That First off, Fo Pelini wrote a great article when Trev was hired in The Athletic. Um, what he wrote to Trev isn't didn't really play out but uh it's great wedding advice for all you young men who are engaged like myself go in there and read that one uh but david this this charity and for the broken chair has kind of turned into a competition between the fan bases do you know which team has had the most donations over the last few years um you know i don't actually know of the last two because last year nebraska crushed the uh minnesota and the year before that minnesota crushed nebraska <laughs> so i don't actually know what the aggregate there is um right now this year we're sitting right neck and neck uh nebraska last i looked was about 12,100 and minnesota was 11,900 i think oh wow so so of course uh that's not including cash donations cuz like they go around the tailgate and uh, they have a donation box and we usually get a few thousand that way. When, when does the, uh, the collection end to, to crown the winner? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure when it, it we kind of play it by ear when the donations stop. We, we let it go a little after the game, um, because we know some people donate based on wagers, uh, 
I myself promised the Minnesota folks that I'll be donating $25 for every Minnesota turnover. So every time Minnesota does not turn over the ball, that's because they hate children. Minnesota, um, you heard it here. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I want to. Um, I want to give stop a, hating children. I want to give a shout yeah. out to Vegas Jair on Twitter at Brandt Agency. He put up about getting, and then he matched with two thousand yesterday, and he was he was all about this. So good good work on him. I'm looking at looking at a picture. Whose idea was it? The the recreation of this painting it gold because you know as all all trophies do, um, and it's amazing though. I have a, a, a Hawkeye friend, uh, godparent to my children actually, and we created a trophy and it's the most unsightly thing in the world. But that's the fun of it, right? That's the idea of almost making it so absurd that it fits. But whose idea was it? Because I did not know this until, and I will tweet this out, um, and my seven followers can take a look at it. The five dollar. Faux bills on the bottom, one with with uh, Goldie Gopher's face in the middle of it, and one with Herbie Husker. Whose idea was that? Because that is that is ingenious. So the original trophy had something similar to that, which was Goldie and Faux Pellini. We changed it to Goldie and Herbie, um, in part because we didn't want to use Bo Pellini's image because he was like. He had just been fired when we made this, and that was like a whole thing. <laughs> and we're still trying to get the athletic department to not, not con- controversial. Right? Well, let me let me jump in on that. You just because I was going to ask this anyway. You talked about the athletic department. Where do things stand now? Has this been recognized, even to a degree, or at least a, a thank you letter from the universities? I I, I know. So we we've, we've spoken to them. A few times, and and their position is still that it's they they have nothing to do with it. It's unofficial. They they haven't like come after us for using the university logos or something, you know, which they could potentially do if they really wanted to get nasty. Um, the now now I will say, um, Mickey Joseph's wife Priscilla just tweeted out a picture of her with it at our party yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, you guys were at Yo Muchachos with at Nick Nick Maestas place, correct? Exactly, yeah. All right. Yeah. He's a friend um, of the so friend of the show, friend of the podcast. <laughs> we got um, we gotta get a meeting with Trev lined up so we can get this thing honored officially. Well this goes yeah, on our uh, list. I mean we have a we have a long list of things that I we're wasn't trying to solve. There. Uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there for this but my friend Luke and one of the other guys involved in the trophy was apparently when they first went to meet with the department, this was, Bo was still hired. And as they were there, they're pretty sure they saw everyone going in to fire him because a bunch of administrators walked past really rapidly. And an hour later, the news broke that he had been fired. So I think they were like sitting in the lobby waiting to meet with the athletic department. (laughs) So maybe we need to change the, the story or at least get this rumor going that, this chair that is actually here is a chair that Pellini threw against the wall when he got fired in North Stadium. <laughs> Your buddies picked it up, pieced it back together, and now here lies the remnants of that, which is the trophy. I mean, could that isn't that perfect story for that? Sure, we'll, we'll go with that. There you go. There you go. We're re- just, we're rewriting history, so folks. To look very very much like the original. <laughs> That is that is hilarious. It's it's a Nebraska it's a Nebraska chair broken on there. So what do you what do you think about you've got the wager for Nebraska to to force some turnovers. What do you think about the game today? 
Oh, man, I, I, I'm nervous about the game, i got to tell you. Um, he thinks Minnesota hates kids. a good running back, and we've not been doing too great at stopping good running backs. Tanner Morgan's a perfectly serviceable uh, quarterback behind that. We're gonna, and, they're uh, gonna, they, we have a tendency. Do we, we know who's starting at quarterback yet? Have they announced as of last night? I didn't see. No, us. no, but, yeah, I mean, so, I'm assuming it's Purdy today. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going to enjoy it no matter what. But uh, I, this is this is why I wagered on turnovers because I think we need a little bit of turnover help. Yeah. Hey, David, we're up against it. We got to get out. Um, but quick all question right. for all our listeners: If they feel inclined to donate, where can they do that and um, help them out with that the process? Easiest, the easiest way is to go to brokenchairtrophy dot com, all one word, no hyphens. And then right at the top, there's a button to donate to the Huskers. There's another button to donate to Minnesota. I don't know why you would, but there it is. Yeah. Uh, Again, they hate children. The Huskers. Let's 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 be something today. Let's be honest. If let's say hypothetically you were going to donate two hundred dollars, let's let's do this. Let's go a hundred and one for Nebraska, ninety nine for Minnesota. We're going to help both sides. We we know what you guys are doing is phenomenal. It's helping the kids, but. At the end of the day, both facilities are going to win at the it just at the how thoughtful both 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 fan bases are. And I want to you know commend you and your team. And I love the fact that just in the emailing and the conversations that you guys are referred to as the handlers of the chair. It's it's do you wear white gloves like the NHL Stanley Cup Trophy guys do, or is it just sure, not? Why not? Oh, there you go. <laughs> We're just making things up as we go. Thanks, David. Have a great day. Enjoy the game. And when we come back, we will get into our keys of the game here on 1620 The Zone. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design, as well as FCC Trucking. We are going to get into some keys to the game, maybe some X-Factor players. If you want to join in on the discussion, feel free to call in at 402-951-1620. Fitz, what do you got for your first key of the game today? I'm at the point in the season right now, I'm a little disheartened. A little. I feel like the bits of broken chair. It, it's Over been a tough season. week in general. Zach and I talked about this a little bit last night. Yeah. I think the drama that happened on Thursday has kind of taken the wind out of a lot of our sales. Um, for me, more so not because we somebody started a rumor that we were going to have an announcement, but because who I think the announcement was supposed to be centered around kind of let me down. I'm hoping that that's wrong moving forward, yeah. but... Well, and it's and I know this isn't the point of it, and we're gonna we're gonna come back to this. But the more I think about that too, that we were all kind of disappointed. And I said, I don't know, it just didn't seem like a didn't you know send off you know fireworks or anything like that. We have no idea. A when we get someone, we have no idea what that's going to look like. You know, it's just it, it's so it's so much fun. But no key uh, keys of the game, X factor. I I really do think today we have to, and this is a, a bigger picture answer. But we have to control time of possession. We've got to find a way to stay on the field, sustain some some drives. And I know it's it, this isn't anything earth shattering because we don't know who the quarterback is at this point in time. Now, 
callers, if you you've heard something, if you're at a tailgate and you you've seen something, something you're peering over the if you hear something, say something. (laughs) Go ahead and let us know. But we've got to find a way to to run the ball. We've got to find a way to pick up not just huge chunks. We've got to we've got to one of my favorites matriculate the ball down the field more often than we're than we're not. So there's my first answer. I'm not sure you use that word correctly, but I don't know that word, so I'm not going to argue. <laughs> Matriculate the ball down the field is correct. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm old enough that you heard that a lot with Steve Zabin watching old Sports Illustrated VHS videos for the NFL seasons with the autumn is coming and yeah. He reads the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> is he a fan of the Oxford comma too? There's a Are you? There's a uh there's a Oxford Dictionary picture book. <laughs> top notch. Top notch. All right. Uh, my first key to the game, I'm, I've kind of gotten away from X-Factor players as a whole because there's there's three of them, and it's the same three every week. It's Anthony Grant, Casey Thompson, and Trey Palmer, and it looks like for the foreseeable future we're going to be without Casey Thompson. So my first key to the game is quarterback play. If Chubba Purdy looks anything like he did last week, we have to dust off Scott Frost's half of the playbook and get Logan Smothers in there and go with some some quarterback run game. You know, I know Whipple doesn't trust Logan Smothers to throw the ball, but I keep going back to when he came in cold off the bench against Michigan State last year and conver- converted like a third and 18 with a very tough pass. Logan Smothers has shown that he can play at this level, and he has shown that the moment is not too big for him. I, I, I would like to see him over Chubba today, but overall quarterback play is going to be the most important part offensively. You talked about Smothers coming in cold, and I didn't realize this, and maybe I was just behind uh, behind this week. Chubba Purdy didn't have full practices the yeah, week welcome before to the club. coming into that game last week. And so now the questions, and people don't want to admit it, but you've you've got to have this information, right? You've got to talk about this stuff. If he was not ready physically... But Whipple made that call, right? And we know after we know after the game, we talked about this last week, where Joseph wasn't quite sure who who Whipple was going to go with, but he said, you know what, you go with the guy you want. You've got a little bit of maybe some headbutting down there. You know, it's not. Uh, I I said this last night on on Jimmy's show when Zach and I filled in after it, hours on sixteen twenty the zone. Yeah, it um <laughs> after hours lounge. Uh, it appears to me that Whipple, I there's no obvious of butting heads with Mickey yet, but Whipple's had three bosses in one and a half seasons, and I think he's butted heads with each one of them. Um, that just comes with the territory of being an old man. But that being said, Logan Smothers can play. We have a half of the playbook that we haven't used since September 11th that he can run effectively. And... Now, now I'm getting angry talking about it again. We After the game, we talked about, hey, we thought we had to throw the ball to get into it coming out of the half. You were down 11, and you had, 20, you had 30 minutes left to play. If you can't cut down an 11-point lead with an effective run game over an entire half, we ran 20 plays and got like 20, or 24 plays and got 20 yards or something like that in the second half. Not good. No, not good. Bob. So throwing the not ball, good. no throwing the ball wasn't working either, right? Not great, Bob. Uh, what's your second key? 
Uh, my second key is going to be our defensive backs. We're we're going to be in a they're going to be in a place similar to last week, which we thought was going to be a little bit more helpful. We have to stop the run, and we have to limit the shots that uh, Tanner Morgan can connect on. We can't make him look like Johnny Unitas. That's we have this tendency that this quarterbacks that are they're serviceable. We know what they can do. Minnesota knows what their own quarterback can do and they rely on that run. We we have to figure out a way to make that tough so that we can take that part of the game away and they can really focus on on the running game. So I'm going to put that on the on the cornerbacks at safeties. Can we can we man up? Can we you know, there was a lot of we did a lot of man to man against Purdue. We get that, and they were, but he was successful on those the dinks and the dunks and, and all of that. We just they have to figure out a way to eliminate more of that. I tweeted it out last week. We we have an affinity the last ten plus years of making second tier quarterbacks look like first team All Americans. I'm every every game or every year um, we've lost to multiple backup quarterbacks. It, it gets frustrating. Uh, my second key is also that the defensive unit as a whole, if you can contain Ibrahim like you did uh, Chase Brown, and I know Chase Brown still got 149 yards or something like that, but those were tough yards, and it took him until the last drive of the game to get there. I think you have a shot if you can slow down Ibrahim. If you can keep him under 150 and be you know a little over – if you can keep him under 150 – with 30 plus touches, I think you have a shot because that means at least occasionally you're keeping them behind the chains. I I was really high on this Minnesota team coming into the season. I thought with their, you know, bringing back the offensive coordinator, they were going to be a little bit more explosive offensively. That hasn't materialized. They are built a lot like Illinois. So if you can keep their running game slowed down early on any, any given drive, you have a shot to get off the field. So... That's my second key. I love that movie, by the way. Any given drive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Burt Reynolds and or no, am I not talking about the same thing? No, no, you are not. What's your third? What's your third and final? Anthony Grant. You have to find a way to get him involved. Um, Whether it's check down passes, I thought last week, uh, and I think Illinois' defense is far superior to Minnesota's, but I felt last week that there were some holes and some chunk plays for him, and we just weren't committed to the run. Uh, Now he had a couple of key mistakes late where. He didn't get the first down, and he turned around almost. He and then, crossed over the yellow line that you see yeah. on the TV. That was the only emotion I heard from fans where we were watching. Is he crossed the line, came back, appeared yeah. to, came back on his own, and then started going left and right. The other, the other one too, and I mean, this is a frustration mistake is because he hasn't been as effective, and it's because of pieces around him. He struggled, so uh, he had that fumble late in the game where he's just trying to make a big play. And he needs to realize to stay within himself. He can still make those big plays, but go get the yards. Go get the yards. Don't put yourself in a bad position. Don't overdo it. Uh, no need for him to play hero ball, but we do need him to play ball. My, I'm right in, in lockstep with you because my third, and I was going to expand that a little bit, my third is whomever the running back is. So that running back room today – Ramir Johnson, you know, it wasn't the best ball that could be could have been maybe a game-changing play. We don't know, but I think we're going to see him. If he has an opportunity to make a play today, he's going to do that. Yant, Ramir Johnson, Grant, whom, whoever it is, 
even Smothers, if he's he's out there today running the ball, I think that's that's what we have to see. So I want I want all of them. And like I said, I'm 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 broken up about this today, so I'm just gonna put it out there. The my key to the game is just scoring more points than Minnesota. I'm almost positive, and we've talked about this before and I haven't gotten the results yet. If we score more points than than the Gophers, we're going to win. That's that's got that's got to be huge in this. That game dead plan. joke is is going to come back to haunt us one day. Uh, <laughs> time to go. Time to go pay some bills. And when we come back, we will get into our coach's conclave. What do you call that thing where they pick the new pope? Are you talking about a conclave? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for this week's edition of. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Conclave. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and FCC Trucking. We are going to talk about a couple of coaches that we like for filling the Nebraska vacancy. I don't know if you guys have heard that um, we have an interim head coach so far this season. Whoa, 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 wait, slow down. Walk me through this. What happened? Um, define interim. Temporary. Define temporary. <laughs> Not officially the head coach moving forward. Can you use a synonym? Please use it in a sentence. This isn't a spelling bee, Conrad. Can you give me the origin? That no, air is no, not good. Okay. No, no, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. I don't read the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> That's what I thought. Shut up and get back to producing. Fitz, who do you have for your coach? Start producing. Um, I'm going to go with. We had the conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk that stuff again. I, I've been waiting for you to mute him all season. The uh, the the longer this goes, the uh, harder it gets, and it's trying to figure out. In my mind, it has to be somebody that has experience. It's been around a long time. We're almost getting to the point where we're out of head coaches who could be on the move that have had, had that experience. So I'm going to go with uh, Todd Monken, the uh, Georgia offensive coordinator. He's he's 56, so he kind of fits in the 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 range where he has he has experience. Um, he obviously does a good job with talented players and continues to develop them, but. When he was the head coach at Southern Miss, one year, first year, eleven, one and eleven, nine and five in his third season, um, different challenges along the way, a little bit not a high-profile school that you know top-tier recruits are 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 flocking to, um, but he's worked with a lot of really good coaches, so you've got to assume that he's taken a lot of that in. I think he's somebody to consider. We're going to get to later in the show, and this name, his name might come back up again, but I, I, I don't know. It's an option. What are we doing at this point, though, Drake? We have not, I mean, we're just, we, we have no, we're just waiting for the red yeah, smoke I mean, to filter out of North Stadium. That's, what, that's yeah. what we're waiting for, and we just don't know when it's going to happen. I, I said this last week. This is getting increasingly more difficult um, as we started this journey, only picking head coaches. I think I'm the only one to pick a coordinator until today. Um, when I did, when I picked Joe Moorhead a few weeks ago. The, again, this is getting increasingly difficult. But as we get down this list, we are also keeping in mind 
everybody we've named in theory has said no or not even considered. So now we're getting outside of the box. Um, a name that I really like, if you can't get my top three of Kiffin, Gundy, or Aranda, if you can't get any of those three, I love Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, he he's built programs starting with North Greenville in Division Two. Uh, he had one really bad year at Delta State. Charleston Southern, he, he went 35-14 and 14, uh, and lost in the quarterfinal in the first round of the FCS playoffs. Then he had a temporary stint at Coastal Carolina in 2017, where he went three and nine, and has taken back over in 2019, uh, going five and seven, eleven and one, eleven and two, and eight and one so far this season. I like Jamie Chadwell uh, because he's an offensive-minded coach. They run a pretty fun-looking offense down there, very similar to what Scott Frost tried to bring in. The reason why I'm higher on Jamie Chadwell than most group of five coaches other than Hugh Freeze is simply that he clearly has been a grinder coming all the way from Division Two. He is obviously dedicated to the process, dedicated to the grind. I also think, and I said this last night on After Hours Lounge, and I've said it on our show several times, that the Big Ten, apart from two schools right now, maybe three, you can throw Minnesota in there, but they they have tried in the past, and I think right now they're just limited, is the rest of the conference is evolving more into a Big 12, SEC, Pac-12, ACC style of game where you have more teams trying to be explosive. Now, obviously, each one of those teams that are good in the conference, Michigan, Ohio State, while they are spread a lot of the time, they can still pound the rock. Jamie Chadwell's offense is run-centric with, you know, some explosive option plays, and he can also you can also chuck the ball downfield. I think as the conference evolves outside of Illinois, who I expect to evolve in the future, outside of Iowa until Kirk Ferentz stops making his OC run 1980s power eye, and please, and please let Brian Ferentz get promoted to head coach at Iowa. Please. Please. <laughs> um, I And I if those three teams that I've mentioned don't evolve, they're going to fall behind. Illinois, I, I, I've i said this, I think uh, Bird is a great coach, but I think he's also capitalizing on a pretty good roster as far as Illinois is concerned. He took over from Lovey Smith. He knows how to win in the old way in the Big Ten, couldn't get it done in the SEC. I Again, Burt's a great coach. I don't know if he's ever elevated. Like, when he was at Wisconsin, he never took them to the next level. There's a ceiling there. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's Burt's ceiling or if it was Wisconsin's ceiling or what Illinois' ceiling for him is going to be. But, again, I think, and you know, as we are getting closer to basketball season, I've said it about basketball too, if the conference doesn't adapt – and become more exciting to watch. I've had way more fun watching Big 12 football this season than Big 10 football. If we don't adapt to the way football is going as a conference, that next TV deal that is going to keep us in line with the SEC may not show up. And I think for your rebuilds, Illinois is an outlier this year in terms of rebuilds. Every other great turnaround going on in college football right now it's built around 
a solid defense and a great offense. Let me let me ask you about that. You talked about the rebuild. <clears throat> Is there a team or a couple of teams that you look around right now and say, why can't Nebraska be there in a year or two? Let's say two years, right? I've got one in mind, and it's it's pretty obvious right now, I believe. But we look at this all the time. That Why can't that be Nebraska? Why can't in a year with some stability, with just continuity? There's four right now that I can think of off the top of my head. All right, give me give me a couple. Tennessee. That's that's the one I go to because it's 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 obvious right now mm-hmm. that in two years what Josh Heupel has done. Now now the the irony the um, it's that not, he followed Scott that's Frost. not lost on us is the path which he took to go to Tennessee. But he's faced adversity too. He was fired from Oklahoma as their OC. So yeah, I'm going Tennessee, Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, TCU with Sonny Dykes. In Kansas with Lance Leipold. Um, again, I, I said Illinois is an outlier. Illinois did what they had to do to be competitive immediately in this conference. I don't know if the way that they're building, they're going to have the offensive firepower to compete moving forward. And Josh Josh Heupel's a name, right? People mm-hmm. people know him. If you followed college football, you know him as a player. You know that he was, you know, he, he worked his way up as well. But and part of that goes to who he was around. You know, you're you have to, and if you can continue to to elevate and go up, you're going to get better. Um, I I don't know what you think. Nebraska has to get a name though that that brings some legitimacy with it. Now, Mickey Joseph is a name. I'm not. That's not where I'm going with this. But I I think we're we're at the crossroads right now where this divide is that bridge is not very strong right now. And I think you've got to have a coach that can come in and has a name that is going to get people excited. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, what I will say is I don't know that it has to be a big name. I really don't. Um, and I I think... Proven, proven name, familiar yeah, name. I, not, not no, I, don't big, even, okay. I don't even think it needs to be familiar. I'm going to argue my point, Drake. Let me go. Hold, like, Lance Leipold wasn't a well-known commodity amongst a national fan base. What do you got for me, Conrad? We got a caller calling in about the current discussion that we'll, we're having about coaches. All so, right. Do we have a name? I did not get a name because I am uh, unprofessional at my job. All right. I said it, but I'm going to get muted again. Caller, can you give us your name? Hey, Caller's name is Dave. How are you guys? Not Hi. too bad, Dave. Hello, How Dave. are you? <laughs> hey. Thank you morning. for calling Love Connections on 1620. <laughs> that was hey, a really um, Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into the Love Connection just quite yet. <laughs> but, uh, uh, hey, just an idea. Um, you know, uh, we've got – you guys are throwing around a lot of good names. Um, you know, one of the things that – we all know exists in multiple different industries, whether it's sports or science, engineering, business, finance, whatever it is, you're going to find people who are experienced and maybe they're, they're in the latter half of their career and they've already made a name for themselves. And there are, they're, they're looking for something that's going to enable them to ride off into the sunset. And, 
the keyword here, here is to leave a legacy. And, um, and I think that there are probably some much, much, much bigger names than what you guys are mentioning um, that might be, uh, you know, that might potentially want to uh, ride off into the sunset, so to speak, at Nebraska, leave a legacy, and the legacy being you're the man who resurrected the once great Nebraska program that had fallen, and you've resurrected it. Dave, and is so, there a name that you're thinking of off the top of your head? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to think really big here because I know our boosters and our ranchers that are outstate have a lot of money. And there is nothing that money can't buy, especially now in sports with NIL and college with NIL. So I think you have to go big names from the NFL and college football. And I'm talking about names like Nick Saban. Hey, I, I said last night, you got to make Nick Saban say no, right? I'm... I mean, you have to give him a price that he can't refuse. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest, though. Uh, Dave, thanks, thanks for the call, by the way. I don't know that a guy like Nick Saban... And, and I love I love the idea. You have to make him say no. And I I just don't see Saban at 70-plus years old with a lifetime contract to Alabama leaving his honey hole to come resurrect a program that has fallen to the despair that Nebraska has. But I also see where he was going with that, with that legacy. Because mm-hmm. you could also see in a guy that Say he did it twice. That did it twice, but we're also, you know, could you win at other places, that type of thing. But guys that we've talked about, like Gundy. Gundy's on the down yes. hill of his career. I'm not man. not I'm based. 40. He's probably what do we what do we agree fifty two by now? I think we I, came I think up with that last yeah. so twelve years ago. But you know, somebody sorry, like, I don't have an updated quote for you. God, uh, strike two, Conrad. <laughs> we are looking at him not as his coaching is going downhill, but like he's on the he's got you know yeah. twelve fifteen years left. But he's a guy that. Could come Maybe. in and makes a name for himself and makes brings this back. That's the type. That's where I go based yeah. on what, what Dave just talked about, which was awesome. Gundy's hit the ceiling at Ohio at Oklahoma State. He's always going to be second fiddle in his own state. Coming to Nebraska, you're not going to have that. I agree with Dave that I I would prefer somebody turning into what I call the twilight of their career towards the end who want to come in and build a legacy. Um, Again, do we get do we get Mike Riley to do that? I mean that's no. that's where But the reason I am so pro that is I have said all all season and I'm going to get to this point really quickly because we got to get to break is Nebraska right now for the for our next coach is not going to be a 5 to a uh, 10 year job. Maybe 5 to 8. If you get a 10 year guy with this hire, outstanding. I just don't think you do. If you get a young guy, eventually a a school with more fertile recruiting grounds that's also in this struggle that Nebraska's in is going to come calling that guy if he's been successful. And wouldn't you want to go somewhere where the job might be a little bit easier to get the talent? Absolutely. And so I think I think we're going to be on a cycle of a couple of, you know, three to five, five to eight-year guys before we land our next 10-year guy. That's just how I feel. Uh, if I'm proven wrong, I'll be more than more than happy. Uh, but that that's just what I think is going to happen. Uh, We're going to go pay some bills again, and when we come back, we're going to build a dream staff. 
Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and Summit Medical Staffing. Uh, we were going to get into our total dream staff, but uh, we're calling an audible here, and we're just going to pick several games that we have our eyes on today. Fitz, do you want to go first? All right, I'll go first. Uh, my first game is Kansas at home against Oklahoma State. Uh, I guess you can call this another Nebraska Coaches Bowl. Uh, I'm going with Oklahoma State. I, I you know, that's that's been my closet team for the year. Uh, I've always rooted for Gundy. I like Gundy a lot. They are one and one or a one and a half point dog at Kansas. And then the next game I'm gonna g- look at. I, I actually thought about driving down and going to this game is Texas at K State. Will Adrian Martinez play or will it be Will Howard? Texas is a three and a half point favorite. I think K State gets them. That, then that's then, a good looking game uh, for your 7 p.m. time slot there. It looks fun. I, I that that should be a fun game to watch. Uh, and then the other two that I'm really you know tuning in on is Tennessee versus Georgia and Bama at LSU. Uh, I said last night on After Hours, if I'm Alabama, I'm rooting for Tennessee in this game because I don't want to play Georgia for a shot at the playoff. I think you know they're. They're a little salty about that loss to Tennessee in which they had 17 penalties. They want revenge, and I don't think you want to play Georgia to get into the playoff when Georgia, to me, is just a much more complete team. They they have a defense that exists, for one. Uh, I, I know Tennessee walked into Baton Rouge and just beat the brakes off of Brian Kelly, but uh, to me, Brian Kelly just doesn't show up in big games in general at from his time at Notre Dame, Cincinnati, and now at LSU. And I know somebody's going to call in and tell me I'm wrong. Brian Kelly won this big big game in 2009 or, or something like that. Uh, I just I just don't see it. I, when, when all eyes have ended up on Brian Kelly, he seems to fold under pressure, or at least his teams do. Uh, and then Bama at LSU. Bama's a 13.5-point favorite. It is at night, which weird things happen in Baton Rouge at night. Maybe Brian Kelly will prove me wrong, but I think Bama's ready to go. They uh, they had their one wake-up call against Tennessee that they get every year. Uh, last year it was Texas A&M. This year it's Tennessee. Yeah, those are uh, some fun games. That that uh, Georgia-Tennessee game is is obviously top billing for all college football fans today. Um, SEC bias or not, it's a it's a big game. I'm going to be interested in, in a few um, – First one for me is uh, number 18, Oklahoma State at Kansas. Obviously, Kansas has hit a little bit of a, a roadblock. Uh, maybe a couple of the wheels have fallen off on the on the car. You know, we had some. They've had some injuries that haven't helped as well. But you know, they could they could right the ship. Not not hiding anything here. Both of those coaches we've talked about as well. You've got Gundy and Leipold, so that could be pretty interesting. Oklahoma State's hit a couple bumps as well too. So. You know, you've at that point in time now you're watching that game as far as which which coach can bring their team back, which coach has the acumen to to keep them moving forward. And, Both teams are battling a lot of injuries right now. Yeah. Oklahoma State more on the defensive side of the ball, Kansas more on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but it's late in the season; everybody's battling injuries. So, uh, who who gets back on the right track today? I think it's Oki State. Who who do you think? I, I think so too. I I think they are 
we just and it's unless Jalen Daniels back. That's that's what it comes down to. And for I don't me. know Quarter, if he's making a quarterback surprise play, return. Quarterback play for Kansas. You're talking about a guy that was on hitting on firing on all cylinders was doing a good job. The players trusted, coaching staff trusted, probably in the full playbook, that type of thing. And now you're not, which you know we might see today for Nebraska as well. Which they, you know, you you take another knock at Nebraska. We don't have much left at this point. You've got to you've got to figure out a way to to make it work. Let let me ask you this: going into that Texas K State game as well, do you feel like Texas is just getting too much cachet for what they did to Oklahoma, and K State isn't getting enough respect for what they did to Oklahoma State last week, forty eight nothing? Yeah, and it's you know the it's brand versus brand, and that's that's unfortunate. I, I think the, a win today for Kansas State is going to go a long way to put them in conversations for a lot of different things. I'm not talking college football playoffs, yeah. but they they are a team that plays both sides of the ball, actually all three phases of the ball. Yeah, they've got a dynamic strong physical running back who can take it you can house it with the best of them right now i i think this if, is a game of two of the top five running backs in the country it really you're you are right and but it's also a game because it's if it's not nebraska this year climbing is going to be on people's radars for new jobs for the next three four five years as long as he's at k-state there's always going to be the what about what about this and so but you also in that you know so we've talked about him you also have TCU they're 8 no they were 1 point behind Alabama in the new playoff rankings that that came out this week um since we're in November and that's that can't be sitting well can so, you believe the explanation as to why they were so low they're looking for balanced teams and TCU's fell behind in some games newsflash Alabama lost a game that's the I don't know if you understand that means they were behind that's a two-hour show in in itself is talking about when they have to come out and try to qualify why they put someone. Like, all they do is they, they just continue to dig and dig and dig. It makes absolutely no sense. But can we? Get, is Condoleezza Rice still part of the playoff committee? Can we get her back? That is, that is amazing. The other, the other game, though, to come back to this for me is, um, and I just lost it. Oh, Michigan State at Illinois. So Illinois is 16th. I know Michigan State has fallen off. They're on hard times right now. But my the reason I think it's interesting is can Illinois continue what they're doing? I, I, I'm, I'm not as intrigued in this game, and it's because I don't even know how many players from Michigan State just got suspended after last week. I know it was four, and then I think they announced a couple more, so it might be six or eight. I don't know enough about their roster makeup to know if anybody was, was any, that Tunnelgate? Yeah, I don't know if I don't even know if any of the guys suspended are "quote unquote" key players to this game. I would, I would, I would put pretty good money on a bet that a lot of them were probably transfer portal guys. <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I want to jump back over to Texas K State real quick while we while we have another minute. Uh, Bijan Robinson, running back, great running back, but um, Deuce Vaughn at K State. Is it fair, and I, I know size, like when I say this, people are just going to equate size. Size matters. Well, I was just going to say Deuce Vaughn reminds me a lot of Darren Sproles, 
partly because of their size, but the way he runs, the way he can be activated in all parts of the game, including special teams if they need him. Can I can I come back off that a little bit? And I know they're very very close, but with he's a little bit more physical. I think Deuce Vaughn is. Yep. I lean a little bit more towards a Warwick Dunn type of runner because he can he can play a little bit more inside. He's running, mm-hmm. you know, in the straight through the hole right into the interior of the line, and he's broken some of those. I just think it's a little bit along those lines, but I see it though too. Yeah. Plus, I just I and maybe this is me sensationalizing memories, right? But I I don't really ever remember and I'm probably wrong on this but I don't remember work done being as explosive of a playmaker like he was not a threat to go 70 yards anytime he found a hole that I feel like Deuce Vaughn is and, and work done is a great running back I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say he wasn't the guy the guy had a great NFL career I just feel like Deuce Vaughn has that extra that extra gear that a guy like Darren Sproles had but running style, you're probably right, where he fits in between the tackles a little bit better than Darren Sproles. But I think because Vaughn can catch, which Warwick mm-hmm. Dunn could catch too. Um, Darren Sproles, I completely <laughs> just dropped the ball on the name right there, was a phenomenal pass catcher. We know we know that. Um, Had a heck of a career in San Diego. Oh, he really did. He really did. And and it's those are the types of runners. But you, you look at all of these types of of players and it's you know there's a little bit of if you were just to you know size wise stuff like that there's a little Barry Sanders when you look at when you look at Deuce Vaughn now I'm not nobody nobody is is Barry Sanders I'm not even going to put that on (laughs) anybody but you just kind of see some a little that that shiftiness that first cut and then has one opportunity and if you can make that first guy miss you know look out and that's I mean I would love Anthony Grant to watch a lot of Deuce Vaughn film Oh, and just and take what take what you can get. You said it earlier. I know we've got to get to break. Um, you said it earlier, but just get what you can today. Get what you can because four yards is better than two yards, right? And if you can, you don't try to take the two yards and make it twenty yards. Take your four, second and six. Let's take another four, third and two. All of a sudden, we're staying on schedule and we're we're making it work. So, all right. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will go with the uh, the dream coaching staffs when we come back on 1620 The Zone. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Doug Bosse State Farm and Summit Medical Staffing. We are going to build out a dream coaching staff top to bottom today. Um, the only thing I left out was strength and conditioning coach. Um, well, we don't have our strength and conditioning coach here with us today, so it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, We'll absolutely. get back to that. Um, if you want to jump in on this discussion, feel free to give us a call at 402-951-1620. Uh, Fitz, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I want you to start, and I don't know if I can go position by position like you did. You did phenomenal research on your part, but probably jump around here a little bit. But give me – I'll see if I can match it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with head coach Mike Gundy. Uh, Going back to our caller Dave, somebody who wants to set a legacy at a fallen blue blood on the tail end of their career, 
I think there's very few out there better than Mike Gundy to come in and and rebuild this program top to bottom. Um, Moving on from there, my offensive coordinator and uh, quarterbacks coach, already talked about him today in the conclave. I love Jamie Chadwell and what he's been able to do in his second stint at Coastal Carolina. Uh, This might make some people grimace here for the O-line coach, but anybody who pays attention to what's going on in football, uh, for O-line coach, I want Bill Callahan to come back. Uh, There's a reason the guy has so many jobs on his resume, specifically as an offensive line coach. And every year he gets paid a little bit more to leave the pro, leave the team. Uh, he's the best NFL offensive line coach. I'd love to have him. Tight end, uh, familiar face here. I, I keep Sean Becton. I think he's done a great job. Here's where it gets a little bit tricky. Wide receiver coach, Mickey Joseph is is number one. But could I talk you into my one B in Keith Williams? It's an interesting name. I don't know. Keep in mind, J.D. Spielman, Stanley Morgan, both great careers under him. Um, he he did a lot. He Brandon Riley had a good run under him. Uh, Westerkamp had a good end to his career under him. I think Keith Williams is one hell of a wide receiver coach. I think his coaching as far as wide receiver might have put more production on the field at Nebraska than what now granted Mickey is only year one on the staff and one of his wide receivers is been elite, but I'm not seeing anything else from the rest of the room. Whereas under Keith, and I know part of this falls on Mark Whipple too, but under Keith Williams, we had multiple guys having big games. Um, I, I feel like, that wide receiver room, granted, they had more years under Keith to to produce and get better. But, yeah, I you could sell me on either one of those guys. At running back coach, uh, bring bring back Frank Solich. Eliminate the curse. Then we move over to the defensive side of the ball. Kirby Smart, currently Georgia's head coach. Hey, this <laughs> is a dream staff, right? I absolutely love this. That you're gonna... <laughs> this is a dream staff. Uh, so... I'm going with Kirby Smart there. Defensive line, I'll never understand what he's saying, but Coach Orgeron, he's not running the program, but he can coach a D-line with the best of them. Uh, Linebacker coach, Brent Venables. What he did as a linebacker coach for years has been nothing short of amazing. Defensive back coach, Dante Williams, currently at USC, formerly at Nebraska. Uh, One of the few guys that I had wished Scott Frost would have retained from the previous staff. Him and Keith Williams were both on my list. And then special teams, um, a familiar name. His name has been brought up several times as we look for special team coordinators. Carlos Polk, former Nebraska linebacker. I think this dream staff, while totally unrealistic, has a couple of names that could end up on a future staff here at Nebraska. Uh, I love the idea of getting a guy like Carlos Polk in here. Somebody who was around for the better half of the around when Nebraska was still competitive, understands it, has been a great special teams guy and bouncing around the league uh, as an assistant coach there. He's learned from some of the best. And 
you know, could you get a guy like Coach O to come coach the defensive line, or is he just done after that buyout from LSU? Obviously, you're not getting Bill Callahan to come back. Sean Beckton, I I don't know if he's retained. I there's a lot of good tight end coaches. They're just not big name guys, but there might be somebody that comes with the next coach. Running back coach, you're obviously not getting Solich, so my one B is is uh, Coach Applewhite currently at Nebraska. Or could you go steal a DeMarco Murray from Oklahoma? Probably not, but that's somebody that I'd be interested in as well. Uh, Off that list, Fitz, who do you think is realistic to be on staff next year? Well, and that's what, on my list, I've kept as wide, if Joseph is not the head coach, right? We put that asterisk in there. Um, Wide receivers coach would be Mickey Joseph. He's my my top guy. We we know why. His his ability to, to... Find the guys, and but they're not always the guy. We know the story. I don't have to go into the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. They weren't who they are now, and he's a he's a big part of that of that reason of why they are where they are. Um, his recruiting, all of that stuff. I I feel pretty good with Brian Applewhite as running back coach. Um, you give him what he's been able to do in the short time. Again, knowing that you were anybody that came in new. Whipple included because he's he's new. You had an idea. There was two ways that this was going to go, and unfortunately, it's it's going the way that nobody wanted it to around here. Uh, but he he bought into it, and I I think he's he's somebody to to keep around. You know, Fisher on the back end. I just don't know if that you know because a big part of this obviously this is our our dream staff, but looking at it in in real life. You know, whoever that head coach is, you've got to have. We, we we always talk about the not bringing in your your cronies, not bringing in your buddies. Every staff following piece by piece, but there's going to have some guys that you trust. And if that head coach feels like this person is the best person for the job, so what if they've been with him for 15 years? If we've seen results and on and on and on, you you have to go with it. So for me right now, locked in would be Joseph and Applewhite only. Could I sell you? on Bill Bush either as a special teams coordinator or a position coach on the defense? I think so. I think he has – what he brings is a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, but I, I think we're seeing it already. He is – and I don't know. I'm not speaking for him. I don't know what his what his goals are, but he – some people are just really good assistant coaches. A- and absolutely. He's, and he, he has, I think, earned that – I think Scott Frost falls into that to category. To be a really good assistant coach, he'll grind. He'll he'll take the big idea and find a way to get his players there. And I think we're I think we're seeing that. I would yeah, I I did not have him as my as my list on my list here, but now because we're going to we're going to do your list when we come back from the break. But on my list I'm I'm looking at Jamie Chadwell. Is there any way Jamie Chadwell leaves the Coastal Carolina to go be a Power 5 coordinator? I don't think he has to. I don't think we've seen we've seen enough that, you know, today's the coach that we're playing against Nebraska's playing against today is a great example. Uh Pajama Fleck had no not no experience. <laughs> Stop myself. He didn't become a coordinator in Power 5. He got the job. He got the job in Minnesota. And sometimes you're betting on yourself. I mean, we we may not like it, 
but that guy oozes confidence. I mean, yeah, he probably performed his own plastic surgery as confident as he is. So <laughs> you just have... He watched enough YouTube. <laughs> YouTube, something on Lifetime or TLC, whatever that channel is. You know so, better than I do. What channel yeah, is that? I don't know. Um, so you, you brought up Coach Fisher uh, in the defensive backs. I've been pretty vocal about this um, across the the program for the last couple of years, but um, I think where it, where it's really gotten bitten us is on the back end with those DBs in the offensive line, where we were very adamant about cross training guys across positions and having them versatile in positions. I I think that's come come to bite us in the ass essentially. Because we have guys that don't know one position, like the back of their hand, and they're not. If you're if you're playing different positions every day in practice, you to me you're not gonna ever excel at one of those. The way I'd like to see that done is, you know, you bring in a couple of new coaches, obviously at those positions, and if you have to make a change in season, that's a different conversation. As far as moving a guy from corner to safety. Not everybody's going to be a Cam Taylor Britt who started as a safety and moved to corner. But Dante Williams didn't have him playing both throughout the season. He didn't have them have him playing both throughout practice. So I I would like to come in and I would like to see us recruit tackles, guards, centers instead of offensive linemen that can play either. I, I want them to become a master of one and, a ja- and not a jack of all trades. And same thing on the defensive side. I want to recruit corners who can rotate at nickel or a safety who can rotate at nickel, but their primary position is safety corner. Cause obviously that nickel position uh, with the way the defense is built today, who's playing there is going to be dependent on the offensive scheme from the other team. You might have to get a bigger guy. Who's more like a linebacker in there. You might have to get a guy who can play some zone, like a safety who can come down and help with the run game. Or if you're playing a team like Purdue, you need a true corner at that nickel spot. So that's kind of what I'd like to see moving forward. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we will jump into Fitz's dream staff. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and Doug Bosse State Farm. Fitz is going to finish up the show with his dream staff, and I'm looking at the list. It is missing a head coach. Fitz, who's leading this team? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would, I'm still on the line of I like Aranda coming in. Um, I, there's a lot of guys that I could. I'm going to just leave that one blank. So, selfishly, I... I would love to see Aranda as the head coach just so I can go talk that talk I know. to uh, that that Baylor podcast that has a knockoff version of Drake on there. Drake does not give up grudges very well. No. Um, Jirake? Huh? Jirake? No, his name's Drake. Yeah, I said what I said. He's a knockoff <laughs> version of Drake. Jirake. All right, back to my list here. Knockoff version um, of me, though. Not, thanks, not yeah. rapper Drake. Thanks yeah. for bringing me into my I, list, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, very well done. Terrible. This list sucks. It's got two offensive line coaches. 
That's terrible. We need two offensive line coaches, Drake. But here's my point. You... But we don't have a quarterback's coach. So my offensive coordinator would be, and there's there's some to this, there's a lot of money that's going to need to be paid out for these guys. But I'll tell you right now, a lot of the guys on my list are already getting paid a lot of money at other schools. So I think that's something that's going to be negotiated. Whomever the head coach is going to be, he's going to have a pile of money to go out and get the best assistance. So I'm going with offensive coordinator uh, Sharon Moore. He's currently the offensive coordinator at Michigan, but he's also offensive line coach. He has previous stints as an offensive line coach. If you get somebody that has that knowledge and you're building your offense in conjunction with what the offensive line is being taught to do, we've got a little bit of momentum there. Uh, my O-line coach is Brad Davis, currently at LSU. Now, if I'm wrong, then I'm going to blame the Internet, but 830000 plus is what this offensive line coach is making, and there's a reason for it. But LSU Connections, maybe that's something that we could pry him away. You know, you pump up his salary a little bit more. Is he going to, I don't know if he came over with Brian Kelly or if he was a holdover. It doesn't matter. This is my dream staff. I said before break that I only had the two that were going to stay, but I, I, I've looked it over, and I think Sean Becton is somebody that has coached well, uh, relates to the players, creates good relationships, is a good recruiter, and not just tight ends. Uh, I think he's somebody that you keep on the staff as well. Uh, wide receivers, Mickey Joseph. Running backs, Brian Applewhite. Now we get to defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, current USC defensive coordinator. Throw a little bit of money. What's interesting of that is now they're coming into the Big Ten. Um, maybe we just welcome him into the Big Ten with a with an N on his helmet instead of a, a, a Trojan. Um, offensive line. I am holding back so many jokes right now. I know I was I, I set it up, but we're on a we're on a, we got up against the clock here, so I'm gonna just keep running through this, Drake. Um, coach, I'm gonna go with Coach O on the defensive line. Uh, let's just be honest, I didn't I didn't get that far in my research, so, but I think why not, right? Personality and a hell of a coach. Um, linebackers coach is uh, Tim DeRuiter from Texas Tech. Um, good player, been around a while. Pump up that salary a little bit. I think he's somebody that could come in and. Uh, you you already talked about the Big Ten starting to play a little bit more like the Big 12, SEC, all of those things. So really good there. Uh, DBs, maybe Fisher stays. Maybe it's Dante Williams uh, from your list. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And then I did go with special teams. Maybe it's Bill Bush, whatever. But as a, as a dream hire, and part of this is maybe taking something away from your from your enemy – LeVar Woods over at Iowa. He, Outstanding. He and he's done other things as well. And that's what I that's really for me is you've got to find a staff that they just haven't been at some place for two or three years, which we've seen before. They didn't just come out of high school. They didn't just come out of JUCO. You've got to have a staff that has two hundred and forty years of total experience yeah. or whatever that number is. So I don't know I that's I'm more I'm more interested right now once that hire is made and we all are but I legitimately want to know who these coaches are presenting to Trev this is the staff that I can put together because that is going to make that's going to make or break it you can have the bet you could get the biggest name you could get 
Nick Saban, but if he doesn't have the right guys around him or can get the right guys around him, it's not going to matter. So I, I love your list, actually, by the way. Um, Thank you. I put a, You know except, how much time I put into that. Except for no head coach. Uh, but one thing that we both kind of neglected is something that Mickey brought up when he took over. We're the only, at least Power 5 school, that doesn't have two DB coaches. And for defensive coordinator, n- neither of us really picked a guy that can, that has been a DB coach. I, has Alex Grinch coached DBs in the past? I don't believe so. I'm I gonna, believe he was like a linebacker I was going to say that's where I my mind went to, I think. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, text our research department real yeah. quick. We'll get that. So, I the I that's something that we obviously neglected. I don't I don't necessarily believe that you have to have two def- defensive back coaches. I think it's easier. Um, what I will say is something that blew my mind when Scott brought in his staff was Chenander was not going to coach any positions. Uh, s- stats and information just got back to me. And Alex Grinch uh, spent a lot of his time as an assistant, which he still is as a coordinator, as a safeties coach, oh, DBs. Okay. Well, that's a that's a lucky find there. So uh, Research or lucky? You know, lucky. I told you. How much time did I spend doing this? About 45 seconds. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Story of my life. <laughs> no, no drums there. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't have those on the wall. All right, fair. Church of the Corn will be posting on monster.com for a producer following the show. Please send your resumes too. Just kidding, Conrad. We love you. We're just going to throw that in the complaints, complaints department, Fitz. Um, bad jokes have their own complaints department. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know that we need two defensive back coaches. I think our D coordinator does have to coach a position group. Um, so on my list, obviously, if you were able to get Brent Venables – to be your defensive coordinator, you could also have him run linebackers. Um, same with Kirby Smart. I, I just it blew my mind that we had two linebacker coaches, and neither of them were ran by Shenander for the longest time. All right, who wins today, Drake? Give me I, your score. I'm taking Minnesota twenty-four to thirteen. Yeah, twenty-four thirteen Minnesota. All right, I'm still gonna do it. 31, 23, Nebraska. They do it today. They do <laughs> All right. it. All right. Hey, that'll do it for our show today. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Church of the Corn Podcast on rate on Twitter, and we will see you guys next week. Bits a broken chair. Donate. Don't forget your donations. Bye. Bye. <laughs>